And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watching the Right Movies with the Rinkowski Brothers. This is the podcast for people that enjoy going to see mainstream movies but are thinking of broadening their movie taste and don't know where to start. I'm Ben, and this is my brother, Nick. Hey, Benny, how's it going? It's good, Nick. Uh, so I have a question for you, since I know you've been to this place. Is Paris all it's cracked up to be? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I mean... What do you mean? Yes, Paris is great. It's uh, it's one of the world capitals. If you can't, if you don't love Paris, then I want to know what places you like to go to. It's well, it's history. It's gorgeous. I don't know if I'd want to live there. And I mean, we could get into that, but that's not. Um, you know, it's it's lovely, romantic. It's it's picturesque. It's it is in both good and bad ways all that it's cracked up to be. How about that? Yeah. Uh, well, good. Well, then you and uh, then I need you to talk to my wife, who is. I mean, I've been joking. She she did not have a good trip to Paris, and so I've just. You've not been? Joked. Have you not been, Benny? No, and I've joked that I never get to because she hated it so much that we're not gonna. I'm never when gonna she get went to go. as a kid. Uh, okay. She didn't well, go that's... as a kid. She went as an adult. She went as a full fledged adult. Uh, but her friend that she went with got got food poisoning from a, some bad crepes. Uh, bad so crepes like, yes <laughs> like, surely like, it was something else because my <laughs> wife when, when we went to Paris the first time my wife got bad food poisoning from yeah. <laughs> what, and it did not turn her off on Paris but don't blame the crepes I mean what could be possibly be in the look, I'm how can they isolate you, I'm telling you I'm telling you that Julie hates both Paris and crepes that's she a, holds it against crepes themselves wow savory and she crepes. didn't even that's a good friend by the way because that's not even she did, wasn't even the one who got sick right no Julie didn't get sick at all but then she's there by herself and she's like well she didn't know if she was in the right spot and I think uh, again Julie is adventurous and likes to do things but she does like to have one at least one other person with her she like i mean sure uh, I mean, she has more fun yeah. than just being completely by herself so again she's by herself kind of looking around she definitely had the the very typical stories of the uh uh of the rude parisians oh well, uh, yeah. that just seemed seemed to outweigh uh the good parts for her mm-hmm. uh, and so again so to me i'm just like i'm never gonna get go to paris uh and I just feel like the movie we watched for this uh, made it look like a pretty fun place. <laughs> it is a pretty fun place. Let me let me tell you my Paris story, and we'll see if this makes people turn off of it or on it. Because I I don't know. Yeah. I think I've got a sense of what you're going. I know you were trying to make a transition there, and I appreciate that. You no, are the one who started actually, this conversation. Yeah. Um, and I also don't think we. I think we're going to be more aligned on this movie than usual. And I don't know if we're going to have. It's much to usually talk about, so I can I can take a diversion here. <laughs> Although there is a lot to talk about with this movie. Yeah. So when last time we went, uh, it was our first big trick it was just this just um, a couple months ago, it was October 2021, and we I was jet lagged, if not jet lagged, at least my mind was in the wrong time zone. So we had gone to sleep at 10 o'clock or whatever, but I woke up straight as a shot at 2 a.m. 
uh, could not get back to sleep, was not tired. I know that by our hotel, there is a place that sells pig's feet 24-7. It's open all the time. Okay. I said, Liz, I'm going to go get these pig's feet. And we had told, we had been told by this person earlier in the day, who was this sort of Euro trash guy, who was like, uh, Paris is dead, it's not like it was, this is, right. it's terrible. Well, if this is dead... Uh, when I let, when I got out of the hotel at 2 a.m., it was the buses were running, the streets were alive as much as they were at 10 a, 10 p.m. when we got when we came in. There was no indistinguishable. Uh, now the bars were closing, which apparently they didn't do that pre-COVID uh, ever. So people were leaving the streets, and who knows where they were going. But there were a lot. Of, I mean, it, yeah. it was a live place. And I'm walking to this to get these trotters, these early morning pigs' feet. Uh, and Which I walk by French? this. How do you order them in French? Uh, un, un pied de cochon, uh, something to that effect. I didn't order okay. it in French. I, maybe I tried it. Yeah. Un pied is You pointed at the foot of the pig. Yeah. That's the name of the place, by the way, is uh, uh, foot pied, pied de cochon. I think that is pig's feet. Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. a wonderful little bistro. And so I go, and as I'm walking by, I'm going by this, this church, which absolutely would be the most fantastic church in both Des Moines and Denver, but it was like the 15th most impressive church right. uh, in Paris. Rome for, for Rome. Yeah, that's true of a lot of European. That's not, in, in Rome, it would be the 60th most impressive. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, and I can hear, and this is 2.15 in the morning, that there's music, organ music happening in the church, and people are actively going in and out. Uh, I'm like, and I put that in the back of my my, my, my thick pot, and I, I go on my way. And I get to sit down, and I have my quick pig's feet, because uh, I'm eating alone, you know. And But that place, by the way, was not, and I want to make it perfectly clear, this is not like a cafeteria. This is not like a place that you order and they give it to you. Um, it's a sit-down place. It's a proper restaurant, and it's 80% full at 2 o'clock. Um, for pig's feet. For pig's Well, they sell other things, too, but that's yeah, what I want. Okay. Okay, wow. uh, and wow. so I leave, and I walk by the church, which I always said I was going to investigate, but I was like, it's 45 minutes later, there's no way anything else is going to be going on. Well, it's, this organ music is still going on. And I go into the church, because they're letting people in, and I'm trying to figure, and I don't speak the language, so I'm trying to, uh, so I don't know what's happening, and, but it's this eerie... I'm like, what have I just stepped into? Is this some weird murder organ cult? Like, what's going on? Um, and I suss out from the, the, the pamphlets, and it's, there's, there's maybe 100 people, uh, which is not that many, because there are maybe 300 chairs set up. And it's a big church, and this organ music is playing. Uh, and it's not particularly distinct. It's, it's uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not a, it's just sort of wandering organ music. The, the church was trying to set a record for longest improvised organ playing and was playing for 24 hours. They had started at 8 p.m. Yeah. the previous day and were going to go to 8 p.m. the next night. And so here we were in the middle of this, you know, this thing that they were doing, this attempt to do this thing, um, which was kind of amazing. I stayed for 10, 15 minutes. That's about as much as I can take as far as improvised organ music goes. Uh, but, and then, then wandered home. Now, if that was a Friday or Saturday, so it was a weekend night, 
but uh, again, you may have, the, that may not be your thing. I don't know how many people's thing that would be, but that's just randomly walking down the street with no real access to a cell phone because, you know, and, uh, anyway, it's not like I could be trying to figure out where the places to go. The right. city just sort of happened to me just yeah. by leaving my hotel. And there are only so many places in the world that are like that. So, um, again, th those two things, you know, th th I'm saying it's an interesting place to be. Uh, if, if that's not your thing, and it is, I have found that the service people, I think, are almost sort of out of, um, I think the rude thing is a little overblown, but I also know if some people lean into it. Um, Right. Well, it's I just a, think I'm going to be. I'm just going to hate these Americans anyway. Right, but it's just a great. I, I don't know how. Tree, please try to talk, uh, Julie, and and the, try giving another shot because it's a magical place, or it really can be a magical place. And if you're a movie lover, um, you know I'm I'm sure there. I know there's a Rue du uh, Truffaut. I would it would be shocking to me if there's not a. Well, maybe because he's good art, but. If there's not a route of Godar somewhere um, in the city, uh, you know it's it's been the the central place of so many fantastic movies, uh, including the one that we're talking about today. Yeah, so let's talk about the one today. We are talking about Breathless from 1960, the greatest year in the history of movies, Jean-Luc Godard's debut film, one of the most influential movies ever made. Uh, I'm not going to try to say the French title, A Bout de Souffle or something to that effect. About, it's clearly about the souffle. That's what about the, a souffle. About a souffle is what this whole movie is about. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it, at some point some uh, interview Godard was like, yeah, it's just about a souffle. Um, I, mean, I, the, assume that that mean, I assume it actually means out of breath. But yes, right. <laughs> but it sure uh, looks like. So if anyone, you hear it, if you see it, the movie called About the Souffle, it's this movie. That's right. Uh, wonderful black and white movie about a fairly narcissistic, self-absorbed street hood and, and the woman who, who loves him. Again, you know, uh, much to her dismay. Yes, and have we, have we watched a Godard movie? No, and part of that is uh, Jean-Luc Godard, who's one of the <coughs> great... Yeah, let's, let's talk about him, considering we've seen more than one Truffaut movie. We have. Uh, and Truffaut and Godard are like the titans, right, of French They're New the Lennon, Lennon and McCartney of okay. <laughs> uh, the French New Wave, in more ways than one. And that they didn't uh, like each other by the end? They, they had a falling out... Uh, around the time, the late, so so they were infant terrible critics uh, for a film magazine called Cahier de Cinema, which you uh, is shown at points in um, uh, in Breathless. Breathless. Uh, yeah. The it's not the it's not the most highlighted publication uh, of the movie. That would be the New York Herald Tribune, but <laughs> yes. uh, it, there are Different a few shots. Us, uh, English speakers. That's the that's one that right. comes through. <laughs> the best, yeah. There are a few shots of Cahiers of Cinema, and Truffaut was um, 
you know, this, this often happens, and certainly is the case with Lennon and McCartney too. Now that I've started this metaphor, I'm kind of trying to expand it as much <laughs> as I can. Uh, Truffaut was from sort of the wrong side of the tracks, had a bad upbringing, such as it is. Uh, you've seen 400 Blows, it's autobiographical. Uh, he really felt that movies saved him. He was almost adopted, such as it is, by Andre Bazin. Uh, the, the editor of Cahiers Cinema, and uh, Godard came from a more upper-class upbringing, just like John Lennon did, compared to Paul McCartney, um, but was much more revolutionary. And so they were, and was much more caustic in, in his criticism. So they came to prominence as writers and as pretty merciless critics of uh, the French tradition in movies up to that point, and then in the late 50s, early 60s, they all started making their movies, uh, making their own movies. And they're the two titans, as you mentioned. Uh, everybody else, and there are dozens and dozens of French way filmmakers, would be the, the, the Georges and Ringos, uh, respectively. Uh, but they're really, if you know any two names, it's these two, Godard and, and Truffaut. And Truffaut, and they worked on each other's movies uh, quite a bit. Truffaut um, wrote, or in part wrote Breathless, uh, you know, was the screenwriter on that. Uh, you know, so they, they, they traded, it, and they all traded the same uh, actors. I'm sure we'll talk about uh, John Paul Bonlando, the, the, the star of Breathless, who made a handful of movies with Truffaut. Um, uh, the, the Jean-Pierre Lyon, who plays Antoine Duanel in 400 Blows and Stolen Kisses, which I know you've seen and love, uh, <laughs> is in a number of, um, of Godard movies as well. And it basically breaks down that, that Truffaut is the whimsical humanist one and uh, Godard is the avant-garde revolutionary one. Uh, you know, he's very... And he's still, he's alive today. Uh, the, the one way he's not like John Lennon is he's outlived all of them. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there is a major French way filmmaker who's still alive. And he still works. So um, in, terms of, in terms of longevity, he is the Paul right. McCartney. In your, but in every other way, he's the John Lennon. Is what it's yes. Uh, and because even that longevity, he's not lost any of his edge of anything. He's gotten more revolutionary. Really? Uh, and, you know, his movies have become more unwatchable. <laughs> uh, but and I okay so maybe I've revealed a little bit of how I think he is a filmmaker who I admire more than I like he's rarely someone yeah. I'm like I'm in the mood for this type of thing but he's unbelievably influential you know he his thoughts and his you know again he's still someone worth talking to and, and you know anytime he makes a statement a couple of years ago I think when um, Last I kind of remember, uh, I think yeah, I think he's got another movie coming out now. He's ninety. He's got to be pretty old. So ninety-one. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, he's got these extreme views. There is no such thing as private property. So you can stream my. You know, you can download my movies. You can pirate my movies. There's no such thing as you know intellectual property. So you yeah. can, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and that, you know, he's a very political filmmaker, hard to really nail down what the politics of Breathless are, uh, or any of his movies, but, you know, it, it has that in the same way that, you know, what in God's name is I Am the Walrus about. Uh, you know, his, he has that feel of this is somebody who's a poet philosopher, 
um, which is another way of saying, you know, one person's poet philosopher is another person's pretentious schmuck. Um, you know, and he often rides that line and falls over the line for me. Uh, for others, he's the greatest thing. Um, you know, he, he just, and I can see the, I understand why that is. It's just not at my wavelength. I find Godard, or pardon me, Truffaut to be way, way more enjoyable. Of course, I like movies to be entertaining. Uh, you know, maybe not first and foremost, but at least as a consideration. And that doesn't seem to be um, uh, Godard's first and foremost. But Breathlessness will put him on the map. It remains his most influential movie. It's an unbelievably influential movie, and I'm sure we'll get into that. We've pr everyone listening, all of you, <laughs> even if you've not seen the movie or heard of it, have probably seen movies influ influenced by it uh, in terms of its sort of certainly the way that it's made. We'll talk about jump cuts quite a bit, and I'll tell you the story behind those jump cuts, but, uh, you know, the way, the, the, the strange way in which it's made, the way that these lowlifes kind of talk about their life, you know, the, uh, you know, there's a direct line between this and, and Pulp Fiction, another very influential movie, yeah. in that, you know, the lowlifes are, are, are actually, have people with desires, and um, Tarantino's production company is called A Band Apart, which is the name of a, of a Godard movie, so, uh, you know, obviously he was an influence. Um, anyway, so, yeah, but in, from, in, from my money, he's much more, um, like, like I said, admired more than, admired from afar, not, no, he's not, he's not one I have a whole lot of affection for. Or would you say that, as you said, that there's certainly a sign, a, a, a rude Truffaut, probably Truffaut is, most people have him above Godard. Uh, just or is because there, or is the there movies... a big dividing line? Or, and I would assume that most people can like both. Yeah, and I can like both. I mean, yeah. we're gonna, you're going to have, you know, I think most people probably like both, but it's like any oppositional, you know, Lennon, McCartney, Hemingway, Faulkner, um, uh, Beatles, Stones, any number of things that people draw lines between. Yes, of course you can like both, but most, uh, if people, it's I would say... the world does like both, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about... Right. Yeah. I would guess that, I don't know, uh, the critical estimation is probably higher on Godard's work from the 50s and 60s than Truffaut's. And I say that, most people would say that Breathless is better than, um, than, than 400 Blows, which is a weird thing to say because they're so, they're so not alike. But yeah. and if I was looking at the sight and sound top 100, my guess would be that there are more Godard movies than Truffaut movies. It's possible that 400 Blows finishes higher, but even then, my guess would be that three or four movies from Godard went in on that list were maybe one or two, maybe one or two, um, from, from Truffaut. So I don't know. But it, uh, anyway, popular, and I would imagine that film audiences, if they're aware of them or not, the people, the, the folk, uh, are, are much more, I mean, because he's just much more, you've seen a couple of Truffaut movies now, two or three. Uh, I'm going to tell you that Breathless is about as accessible as it gets from Godard, yeah. Uh, and what does that tell you? Yes, well, I'll say this. And So you said you think we'd have the same... I might shock you. I actually like this movie. 
Yeah, I don't. I wasn't. That doesn't shock me. Yeah. But you, well, I figured hand, look, you were going to say the movie was fine. I hate this guy. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have. I have it right here. I have it on my notes. I have, I hate this guy. Right. That's the exact quote I have. That's the first quote I have after my about the souffle joke. That is the first quote I have in my notes when I was watching this. God, I hate this guy. So yes, for yeah. it's a movie that's black and white, French. You know, right. Have no real plot, and the main character is a guy I hate so much. Uh, right. The fact that I like it does show something. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'll, I mean, real quickly, I watched the first five minutes and was like, man, this seems dated. And, and oh, you mean what he said? Our charger, our, our pick up that girl because our charger kissed per mile, which well, is sure. the most French thing that's ever been said. <laughs> Uh, but then once it got going, it was really engaging, and then it lost me again in the end, which I'm sure we'll talk about the end. But uh, I mean, it it still works as a you know, it, yeah, it, it still very to much me, it works. To me, didn't lose me at the end. To me, I it lulled. I felt like it was an interminable scene in her apartment. <laughs> oh, I like that scene. I'm sure you do. I wanted to get yeah. out of there. Uh, <laughs> it, is a, it is a long scene. Maybe the long single scene. Yes. Longest. Oh, yeah. It definitely was. I, I think it's only because I literally needed to take a break, and I was like, "Oh, I'll just take a break when this <laughs> when the scene's over," and it never did. So I was uh, acutely aware. You were mad at it. It was like when yeah. someone says, "Okay, I'll let you go on the phone," but then talks for another ten minutes, and you don't <laughs> even hear anything on that last ten minutes. Whereas that scene, I really love. And it's the scene where she mentions Faulkner, right? Which, of course, you know that. Yes, that I also obviously took that note. I was like, no wonder you like this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so the plot, such as it is, and I really say that loosely, we've got this young hood, he's, and I say he's a hood as if he, he's not really involved in a gang or anything organized. He's just an aimless... Um, yeah, whatever he does, he sucks at. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, and he kills a cop, um, sort of senselessly. Um, yes! <laughs> and, and pointlessly and totally avoidable. He shows absolutely no remorse about it, obviously. But he's trying to get away from it. Um, and he does for a little while. And he's, he has this prior relationship with a, an art student, um, American art student, uh, that he tries to rekindle. But you can tell that he's just sort of floating around, uh, you know, vampiric on um, any woman, woman who will be stupid enough to let him into her house uh, and that you know she is smart enough to kind of keep him at bay but throughout the the, the couple days of the movie um, I don't know about falls for him but anyway she, she gets more involved and he does more bad things and I want to make it clear that it's not like he's pulling the wool, it's not like he goes out at night and does bad things, he just seems to pointlessly find himself in bad situations and then make them infinitely worse. Yes. I'm making it seem like it's a, how long will he keep this going? He's not, there's not a lot of urgency to him to stay in front of the law. Uh, you know, it... No, again, he's just, he's just hanging out in Paris. That's why I said right. makes Paris seem like a pretty fun place to hide yes. from the law. Yeah, they spend so much time in the shops as he's there. They, they, you know, they're, they're walking around. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a little, it's a nice greeting card from the city, but, uh, you know, I, I'm also making it seem like that the net is drawing in. Compared to M, it's not a manhunt movie. There's some cops involved, but, uh, you know, where they're going to get It does seem like there's very little doubt that. he's going to get caught. Because right. he's really not, they're always almost on to him. He's really not making any attempt to get away, so you're not really thinking he's going to make it. 
Yeah, and finally he does get fingered by a, a, a witness who, by the way, is Jean-Luc Godard, the guy with the newspaper who, uh, that is the director himself. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> uh, and there's, and again, that's the plot such as it is, but at the same time we take huge diversions to Orly where uh, our, our journalist, you know, our budding art student slash journalist who works for the paper uh, interviews this, you know, this, this, uh, I can't remember what he does in the movie. It's it's Jean, uh, 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 Jacques Rivette is. Pardon me, sorry. It's uh, Melville. It's uh, Jean Pierre Melville, the filmmaker who plays the, the the guy she sent out to talk to, who's got the yeah. Which I enjoyed that scene, but but it's got nothing to do with anything, right? <laughs> no. That's that's kind of the that's sort of the French way of M.O. We're just going to add this scene that's got no dramatic purpose and, we'll, and we want to th- sh- you know, show off our influences. Uh, John Belmondo is obsessed with, uh, with Humphrey Bogart and um, you know, th- th- there's clear influences there and you know, we're going to have this thing about Faulkner for no reason other we- otherwise, other, otherwise to say um, you know that you know we are influenced by Faulkner too, and so uh, you know it's well, that, and that's uh, fine. But I mean, just yeah. Uh, but she's again, what her uh, first? I thought she just sells the New York Times Tribune. She, I mean, the New right. York, but, but she, York, I think she's but trying she to also, get on. She's also on staff, and it's just hilarious that you know journalism is alive and well. In right, <laughs> doing just fine, selling those papers. Yeah. But she's trying uh, to get into the Sorbonne. Uh, but right. then she's throwing that up in the air to, you know, to, for his purpose. Anyway, it's just, she's making bad mistakes. She finally does turn on him, but they, even that isn't a, that's just a, a clear-headed thing to do. Uh, yeah. You know, it, yes. it's not played as this big, uh, we're not really mad at her, and we don't really feel bad for him. And then no. he gets gunned down the street, and, the, and he almost begs for it to get done, gunned down oh. the street. And oh, he I takes think he, it. No, he's, I think he certainly does it on, and again, it's not even that he's. Maybe we shouldn't. I mean, not for spoilers, but I just mean we're skipping is, to the end. Is it he a doesn't spoiler? Make, I mean, he makes no attempt. I mean, he almost is committing right. suicide by cop. That's but right. he's not even doing it in some dramatic "I love you so much" way. He's like, "No, well, guess it's time to die. <laughs> time to make the donuts. Yeah, <laughs> time to get I, shot in the back and walk awkwardly for ten more seconds." Everything is so he <laughs> wallows in his own. You know, self-absorption, cavalier, cavalierity. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Cavalieritude, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's just too disengaged to exist. Yes, uh, which and, again, you know, we all so, know is my least favorite type of person. And I, yeah. I don't. It bothers me more here than other places. Although uh, Belmondo became a big star, uh, and is well, really watchable. Yes, he's great. I think, again, because it's, I mean, he's doing such a good job of playing, he's a, being a person I love to hate as opposed to yeah. person I just hate. Uh, he's great. And then Iowa's own, Gene Seaver. Yes, Marshalltown's own, who had been in a couple of really big high-profile uh, uh, flops in the States, uh, had raced off to try to resuscitate, uh, resuscitate her career in France and didn't really, but... She's a legend just for having been in this movie. So uh, there you go. And she's great in it. It's really iconic. That yeah. uh, you know you can buy the New York Times absolutely sells those shirts, those New York Herald Tribune shirts. 
uh, and you know she's got the sort of iconic French blue stripes as well. I'm assuming they're blue. <laughs> it's black and white, so how would I know? Again, but, uh, the super short haircut. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, she's great. She's wonderful. But no, but she is good. I mean, uh, yeah, Patricia uh, mm-hmm. is great. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, let's talk about why this is influential because, I mean, we've watched plenty of movies about nihilistic uh, thugs. Uh, but yeah, the jump cuts. I mean, you immediately they're just like, whoa, did that just, it, you know, and it does feel very modern because you're like, did I just watch, did I just watch a movie that right now, you know, which it just cuts right. suddenly. Like there's, uh, at first I thought, oh, there's something wrong with my computer. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it, it but and I that was see, a, I, I would assume that honestly other people would think, see that and be like, wow, he really screwed up. Like this is so amateur. Yes. And I think that was absolutely, they were critics at the time who said that. This is this is bad filmmaking, uh, and the story behind it, the way that I understand it, and this seems odd to me, but the first that it was too long, and he wanted to cut, you know, twenty minutes or so, and so he just started cutting. <laughs> started. He, he just said, "Okay, I'm just gonna. I don't care about continuity. It wasn't a planned thing." Okay. Uh, and he just. Cut I believe out that more than anything else. Middle. I mean that. <laughs> and it's the most memorable thing about the way the movie's made. And, and although it's not the most influential, what's you said we've talked about nihilistic. Uh, we've watched nihilistic movies before. Probably not ma- ones made before this. Okay. Uh, and when I say that it's it's a strange story about the jump cuts, it's only ninety minutes. It's a short movie. It's not like yes. it, it 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 could have. It'd, it'd be interesting to see those scenes play out uncut. Because uh, it wouldn't expand, you know, it wouldn't make it a unwieldy length or anything. But it does jump along much faster that way. I mean, and it keeps you on your toes. Uh, this movie, yeah, particularly the French new since we have to read everything. I can't right, just look yes. away for any second when I think, oh, he's just walking down the street because he might just all of a sudden be in a coffee shop. So I need to watch. So I can true, read what he's saying. <laughs> uh, the that focus on disaffected nihilistic youth which will see itself really blossom in late 60s early 70s hollywood had its roots right here in breathless Uh, so if the american movie that broke that camel's back was bonnie and clyde both francois truffaut and jean-luc goudard were at one point attached to direct that movie because okay. the uh, Warren Beatty who produced it was so enthralled with their, um, uh, you know, vision for that kind of thing, and so the the, you know, this is, I, Rebel Without I a Cause. I, 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 I guess I made your it. point by I made your point, but I didn't even think I was doing that for you. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, they, you're right. Yeah, and I've always heard, yeah, people put up Bonnie and Clyde as this first. Uh, it was just is super influential for that reason. Uh, well, the producers and the screenwriters wanted to create an American French New Wave movie with Bonnie and Clyde. Again, like they were, like they were a lot better at their job than <laughs> Michelle is in this movie. All he, again, all he does is very ineffectually kill a policeman. And yes. I was, I did find myself wondering: Do you really think a guy killing a, French, a policeman out in the country? then becomes the most wanted man in Paris. Like, that seems a little un- 
unbelievable to me. Well, in 1960. I, I, mean, I can't speak to that, except I don't know. I feel like when the I don't, cop I don't know killed, either. But then they have his whole picture in the paper. I, I don't. For I think one that well, it's a cop. I mean, that's when that in the fugitive, they're like, "You killed a cap." Uh, like I you know, care. Like I. I mean, it's bad. I don't. Uh, yeah, you I'm saying it, it's more than murder. It's it's the yeah. whole. You know, I, I think that would make it. Front, I don't know about front page news, but that anyway. it is front page news. Uh, yes, but I, again, I like uh, and uh, and yeah, you said that he's trying to be bogey. I like how. Give yeah. him or his other. They say Sunny and Amigo. Uh, but he's also bad at it. I mean, he doesn't yes. fit in the suit when he first sees it. He's not doesn't have any near the coolness. You can tell he's scared inside yes. or or insecure anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's a key thing too. Is that a lot of these movies, the French New Wave, was highly influenced by American film noir. Uh, you know, which you see there. You know, yeah. you, you look at. Uh, we watched. Uh, uh, Day for Night, there's, you know, when, when Truffaut and Day for Night f- falls asleep, uh, the dream he has is him going to, uh, you know, the, as a boy stealing the stills from Citizen Kane. Uh, it's not film noir, but, you know, it was from that era of Hollywood mo- movie making the French uh, were really enthralled by. Bogey's movies, uh, you know, he, he, he makes those faces. Uh, he's always sort of acting the, the tough guy. Uh, which they, they, their conception of tough guys would have come right out of American gangster and, yeah. and, and film noir movies. So, uh, you know, the, the, the influence carousel goes round and round and round. <laughs> As it does, yeah. Uh, yeah so what else is, infl- I mean, uh, I don't know where this, I mean, there was a lot of breaking the fourth wall, or more just, yeah. I felt like, unexpected breaking of the fourth wall in this one. Uh, yeah, uh, and I don't know how, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, how influential that is, or, you know, that might have been a little more common. I'm not sure either. Was, yeah, well, all, everything, I'm sure, happened before, maybe that yeah. extent of jump cuts, not so much, uh, you know, but, like, a lot of um, uh Influential movies—they're usually codifiers of things that were in the uh, in the air, as opposed to the things that first did it. You know. Yeah. So it, it's mostly the subject matter, the tone—you know, the, the sort of jazzy, uh, yeah. which is constant—and um, then the jump cuts. Uh, you know, the, the the idea that you could. Uh, not that antiheroes didn't exist before, but certainly in, a, in we talked about the Hays Code in, on this podcast before. There was a expectation that you the good guys had to be punished and bad guys, pardon me, bad guys had to be punished and good guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, you couldn't you you couldn't have this type of movie in America, and that was breaking. In that that's that production code was being broken, um, not at this time, but around this time. So, you know, it, if you think about Psycho, which came out the same year, you know, was revolutionary, correct. And was scandalous because we saw, um, you know, Janet Lee in her bra and a toilet, you know. 
<gasps> Women don't use those. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> How different than, I mean, but at the same time, the French are doing, you know, are literally talking about sleep with me. Uh, yes. You know, let's go to bed. You see her bare back. Uh, you know, with, with no bra, uh, you know, I wouldn't, it's Which not, they comment on. <laughs> she, yes, uh, right. It, she, you know, so it's much more direct and, um, uh, well, it's much more direct. So, uh, yeah. you know, to give its influence on American movies, they're like, boy, we can't tell stories like that. Uh, and, but in a few years, they could. Gotcha. Uh, all right, so the very end. Yes. Right, as we talked about, he, she turns him in. He gets shot in the street. Again, very ineffectually, even makes any attempt. So, again, we know he's just being like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get shot. He's dying. All right. And then the very end of the whole movie is him saying that she makes him want to puke. Yeah. And then... And that's what he tells him. And then she said, what's that mean, puke? And she looks at the camera, and that's how the movie ends. That's, it. that's, that's how the movie ends. Uh, what am I, I, what am I supposed I to take from that? that, that what do you, life, actually, all right, what do you take from that? That, uh, that, that is the French equivalent of forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Uh, <laughs> I the again the end lost me the funny faces when he starts making the mugging face and the you know that he was making the mirror when he's lying there on the ground yeah. I did yeah. love that you know he's got he's has a cigarette with him all the time so there's like um, oh uh, there's there's smoke coming out ones. of his mouth yeah. um, you know as he's dying yeah. uh, but. That that last shot just drives me crazy. I mean, she looks at the breaks the fourth wall, and I don't know what it's motivated by or for what reason. So uh, again, that the ending this time got a big eye roll from me. Oh uh, man, I did I, not expect this. I guess it was it's some sort of no. I need a no. It's just it's just it's it's Lennon esque pessimism, man. Everything's no. rich. Yeah, the whole thing makes me want to puke, man. Uh, you know, I. I if and I will say, because then I looked into it, like, that apparently is the newest translation for Criterion oh. since 2007. It, like, it's more close to, well, it, look, like it's used, like, it looks like the word is, I'm not even, you know, my French is worse than yours, we're just saying something. <laughs> yes, that's uh, right. That it's more like <laughs> it's really disgusting. It's more like it's disgusting, because uh. the word is dégueulasse. Uh, okay. Dégulasse, uh, and then... Uh, and he says, what did he say? But and, and I didn't notice this, too. He doesn't actually say, it's you. He says, it, or... Right. right. It's really disgusting. And then Life the guy says, oh, he said, you are. You, that's and, right. But that's not really what he said. He's not talking about her. The, he's, the guy's just telling it for her. Uh, so it's... And I feel like I like it much better saying, what is disgusting? Because just the puke makes it... Then that's what you focus it on. It so base and right. I kind of tend to agree with you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's just weird that that's like the newer translation. Because I don't in, remember in, that. In between, I, they made it more. It's a scumbag. Like you're a scumbag. Uh -huh. What's a scumbag? Was the last. Which that also doesn't seem like a great way to end your movie. So it um, may be a it may be a lost in translation type of thing. Um, yeah, because I don't remember puke. 
course, I don't remember really the ending. Uh, I, I, again, I don't want. I've, I've seen this. Maybe this is probably the third or fourth time. So, and the first time in a long time. Um, yeah, I, I somebody. I mean, I could spin up some sort of um, meaning behind it, but I, if it's just more nihilism, right? Uh, nothing. Well, yeah, I think it's thing, more. The whole it's, thing. But like her thing is right. She already is like, well, she doesn't really want his relationship anyway so it's not I mean she's somewhat an nihilist too she yeah. doesn't want to die for it and so I think then, she's much more mysterious about what drives her and it's not yeah. it works I don't think she's inconsistent well yeah, no, she's I, I inconsistent I, but I in, think, a I mean, in a human way that's right yeah. Uh, so yeah I think it's just sort of a, a, a crude way of saying what's the meaning of all this there is no meaning to all this Right, and but it's like it's not some revelation. She's like, yeah, well, I already thought that, buddy. Right. So I don't know why she'd look at the camera. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, because it's just it's just a good. It's just what John Luke's gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, you got anything else? No, I accepted. <laughs> did we want? I mean, I, now you've got me thinking about. It. I just uh, that ending just bothered me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, that didn't bother me. It just. Again, that got an eye roll for me. It was just a little bit yeah. too far away from... And I know I was on here defending... And this will show you partisanship. Defending the ending of, of Stolen Kisses, which is equally weird. And, you know, with the, the guy in the trench coat uh, and how yes. much he, he loves uh, and Christine. And dumb and stupid. Yes, but that whole movie was dumb, so I didn't care that it All ended right. dumb. Uh, this okay. one, like so. I said, I finally thought, I was like, oh, I'm cultured. I like Godard now. <laughs> like, okay. I'm going to wear my beret. That and then, threw, and, then I, and, then I, and then I threw my beret on the ground after that stupid ending. <laughs> and I said, it makes me want to puke. <laughs> That's right. You, then you are. You've got it. You, all right. You're ready. All right, but so, uh, all right, so my top five, which I didn't realize, you probably only want to put like two on this list, but what are your top five... Godard movies. Jean Godard. Uh, number five to me is content. I feel like you. I feel like I certainly already had to do. I think we already did New Wave in general. Yeah, uh, and I think Breathless was probably the only one that made that list, yeah. or my number one movie. There certainly wasn't more than one um, uh, Godard movie on there. But I do like the way, these it is, five. It, on the latest, it is the number thirteen on Sight and Sound. This movie. What is Breathless? Breathless. And where's and where's 400 bucks. It's surely not higher than that. 39 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I guess uh, he is, yeah, he's a people yeah. pleaser and, and uh, sight and sound doesn't like that. They, they, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, again, it's they put Vertigo, like Vertigo is number one of there now. And I mean, if there's anything more enjoyable than Vertigo, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, again, I don't think most people would, uh, whatever. Uh, okay. Oh man. Um, Anyway, so the number five is Contempt, uh, she made with uh, uh, Brigitte Bardot a little bit later than Breathless. Of course, everything is Breathless. Uh, it's a kind of a... Um, um, anyway, Jean-Pierre Lyod or, or Antoine Donnell, he's uh, a screenwriter, and um, anyway, it's... Uh, I'm not going to talk much about the plots because the plots okay. are unimportant yeah. here. Um, but it's it. a uh, it's a it's a great movie. Most of these movies are about relationships, such as it is. They a lot of them operate. 
less like breathless, uh, meaning that, you know, we're not, but they are about sort of the communication issues between men and women, such as it is. Masculine feminine is number four, another great one, uh, with, with Jean-Pierre Lyot. Um, I didn't mean to necessarily put those two together, but um, anyway, they're wonderful. Uh, anyway, and it, it's just full of references, left, right, and center. I know James Bond gets referenced in that one, Bob Dylan. Um, uh, anyway, uh, most of those movies are just referential. Pierre LeFou with, with Belmondo is my number three movie. I actually, this is probably the one that I would want to put on the most. Uh, uh, you know, if I was just in the mood of watching it, because uh, it's got, I do like Belmondo, and I love Anna Karenna, who was Godot's wife um, for a little while until even she was like, Anna you're Karina, too pretentious for me. We're missing, we're missing, a, yes, it's very close to Anna Karenina. Yes, in another universe, it would be Anna Karenina is married to Jean-Luc Picard, but instead no. we have Jean-Luc Godard <laughs> and Anna Karenina. Uh, yeah, uh, but they're wonderful as the sort of... Well, it's all right, like William Shakespeare was married to Anne Hathaway. Got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Jane Seymour was married to Henry VIII. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Uh, the, um, anyway, this crazy... Uh, couple on the run. It's more sort of bad behavior, uh, but it's a it's a one of his great movies in, in in color to be sure. Breathless is number two. We've talked about Breathless, and again, most, it's this is a weird list to make because I would normally would tell you the plot, except that um, they exist so much in the way they feel as opposed to the what happens in them. I think that's true of Breathless as well, and my, my all-time favorite Godard movie, or my number one Godard movie, is called um, Vivre la Sa Vie, or My Life to Live, uh, which stars Anna Karenina um, as a sort of ingenue who breaks out on her own to try to become an actress, uh, and it follows her journey there and is is really wonderful. Wonderful is not the word. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but it, it, it's a good one. So there, there are my five. Right, well, sounds, Would you say this is a right movie? I didn't ask you that. Yeah. Like I said, I yeah. mean, again, like I said, until the ending kind of like it makes you want to puke, mm -hmm. you get a feel, you feel smart like in this movie, like look at me. Like I said, like I, was, I felt like a cool, <laughs> like a cool dude. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because, uh, yeah, uh, again, considering again all the things you think I would hate, which I did, I, that I still liked it, just shows. Uh, well, I don't think yeah. the movie is trying to make one like that's I think where this the split. Uh, the movie doesn't like Michelle. Maybe has a little bit of affection for him. Yes, but it's not like they're right. trying it's, to make him seem like a hero. They think no, that which is why I think I could I bared it better than I liked. Stolen kisses, stolen kisses were still sort of supposed to like this guy, which I do not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good point I, about that, that. Yeah. When the movie is on my side, you know, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't hate. I mean, no, it's I a weird I, feeling. It's not like I don't think they despise him the way that you do, but they they don't <laughs> make him seem like the greatest thing, like a hero. Uh, you know. So. No. Anyway. Okay, well, I'm glad that it worked. I'm glad it was a, a right movie for you. Yeah, it worked for me right to the very end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but so, yeah, thanks for this one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, and join us next week. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I do wish we could chat longer, but.
having an old friend.